0: 10. hello and welcome to LOP radio raw review my name is Matt Mayer aka imp check the audio in, I think that's fine and mustafa Ali is revealed as the leader of retribution positive thing I'll get to it in a second it We'll just would we'll say uh, also you could this will be available in podcast form if you on red circle if uh, the links will be in the description on the main on the main page on the wrestling headlines page main page what we call it internally on the wrestling headlines page it'll be available in there eventually. Uh, If you go over to Red Circle you can also donate to help keep this train rolling. So it takes a lot of time. (laughs) Especially New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling with the G1 Climax. A really long day (laughs) doing stuff uh, at the moment. So G1 Climax, it's four shows this week, bloody hell. But this was the final Raw before the WWE Draft kicks off this Friday. And it was a very, very competent Raw. Just to like give it an overall show grade before I jump into the Mustafa Ali as retribution leader, I would say that this one like raw, just to like paint how I'm feeling going into it, going into this review. Without Raw Underground specifically, just that one thing, just that one thing in Raw Underground. Raw is like it flows so much better, like infinitely better. It brings the segment count right the hell down because they get and like knocking away to just short, unconnected bits. Turns out the flow of your show is so much better. So, whoop de doo with that? <laughs> so that's a positive. But with uh, Mustafa Ali revealed right at the end, it was in a match. I'll I'll do the segments that led to it later because uh, they was some decent build up to it. This like little not little things. Then suddenly last week makes a bit more sense where Mustafa Ali was walking out of the Hurt Business' locker room and was seemingly like, what's going on there? Well, if he's the leader of Retribution, they maybe decided last week on that. So they put something in. So it's like, no, look, there was foreshadowing. Even though it, uh, it was... <laughs> Technically, if they do it the week before, that counts as foreshadowing. So applause WWE because normally when you're inviting week to week, that makes that literally makes it impossible to do foreshadowing because you don't know what you're doing next that's the benefit of writing like an overall story or arc it means you can put things in to then hint at what happens later or suddenly when something happens it all makes sense because you've laid down the groundwork to tease something for something happening but that's not necessarily the case for some reason it's not trusting that everything's working but it is anyway so for the turn, we had MVP versus Mustafa Ali in a match. And here we go. WWE finally fall on an angle to go forward with in this Retribution arc. Like, after weeks of nonsense, we're finally here. Which is a running theme with WWE. I was pointing at this time last year, when I was just in podcast Four we didn't put a single thing up on YouTube yet. We were just, I think we might have still been on Spreaker back then. And I was just making... Making the points I'm going to bring up right now. WWE, because at the time, I was complaining about the Roman Reigns, like, who attacked Roman Reigns? And that whole story with revealing the random ginger lad in Rowan 2.0. <laughs> Just, like, from week to week, they were blatantly making it up as they go along. But they fell on something. In the form of an Eric Rowan, like, sudden main event heel run, which was never planned, and you could tell, like, as soon as it ended, they had nothing for him. Which is the case in point that, he what wasn't the plan. <laughs> if they had a plan to get him over, they would have used him afterwards. But because they didn't, for me, that's just like, yeah, it was what I thought it was. But you got a decent like run out of it from like, Rowan. They landed on something great after weeks of nonsense. Of just like, hopefully they'll fall on something if we keep making this up as we go along. <laughs> Eventually we'll land on something, right? And it's the exact same feeling here. History like, history's repeated itself. <laughs> if you're If you're never going to learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. WWE for the second year running around the same time building two Survivor Series finding its feet right at the pay-per-view just before and suddenly It's retribution angle which evidently week to week. They do not know what they're doing and like for example like the week previously they Can't possibly have known what they'll be doing the next week because case in point is there's no foreshadowing for anything So just like things are happening and then you get an explanation afterwards. It's all in hindsight like this, as Mustafa Ali, even though I can point out there was a weird thing which didn't seemingly have any explanation on Raw last week in Mustafa Ali coming out of the Hearst Business' locker room, that that was it. There was nothing else. There was no hint at all that a leader would be revealed or that they even had a leader. We all just assumed it was T-Bar. <laughs> or T-Baggers. <tea> <laughs> My MVP called him tonight. Thumbs up for that. But because there was no hint about it, it made me think, oh, there was no plans for this, just like the other thing. But... It's one of those where you can then look at things retroactively. And one of those things is the hacker. And everyone just assumed it was Mustafa Ali cause, uh, over on SmackDown because he was off of TV at the time and then running this hacker thing and it just kind of died and I think it was revealed, yeah it was meant to be me but it just died. Suddenly, with an angle like this where it was him trying to out-truths of what was going on it was used in a segment which isn't exactly toned down the system with the Mandy-Rose-Sonya-Deville relationship but he <laughs> can retroactively go, no, he was a Smackdown hacker. I was trying to expose truths. It's one of those where, if you think about it, actually, why well, was well, was the only truth in Mandy Rose thing? Well, it's because he did the Smackdown hacker thing. Didn't really have a plan for it, so what do we use it for? <laughs> and then fell on something half decent. But this, it means you can retroactively look at Ali, and it works. It's re- excitement for a reason. They've done a really good job in picking a guy who... Like the audience as well wants to see get a shot and wants to see succeed after not really getting much of one. So he worked in that way as well. Like somebody on the main roster who has really struggled to thrive and it's like, he came so close to getting an opportunity before just poof, it was gone. With the Kofi Kingston stuff last year where Kofi was Mustafa Ali's replacement and after that, blah. And also set to win Money in the Bank right until Brock Lesnar comes in, blah. Uh, so it's like at the last second, he's had things just taken away from him where he's had like no control over it, and I feel like that works. You can work retroactively. You can go in and use him, having how his run's gone so far in the main roster, and just say what's happened, and it would work. Why he would be against the system because the system in a way's failed him, and I like that. The only issue is, will there be a heel group? And I'll get to that. I'll, actually, I'll get to that after I've run through what happens, and then I'll just explain why I think it might be a bit of a bad idea if they are heels. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Porter showed some real aggression in this match. In like, After losing to Mustafa Ali in the six-man last week, he was out to get revenge or retribution. <laughs> just, can't use that word anymore. It's so annoying. In wrestling, you use the word retribution to describe something so often. <laughs> it's, just, oh, it's just taken out of circulation now. Or you have to always say pardon the pun. Uh, when Ali showed some fight back, the other two lads jumped in. But the lights flickered and retribution arrived. The ring surrounded. There wasn't really much of a match. It felt like there might be, and then yeah, the ring surrounded. Ali then appears to fight with the business. The four of them standing in the center of the ring. Ali then slides out of the ring to step up to Mason T-Bar on the ramp. MVP smiles as I heard this guy's got this guy's got guts, or or this guy's gonna get his ass kicked. Ah, I'm happy. That he's taking the bullet <laughs> in a way, what an idiot. But he then just turns round and he reveals he's their leader. He is on Retribution's side and orders them to go and attack they do. Ali orders the destruction with other hooded goons as well, like our three Master amigos run riot over the business, ending with holding the steel steps up for T bar to drive lashes headfirst into it. All posing in the ring after, behind their new leader, who raises his hand up as normal before clutching his fists as the, as the lights go down. And that segment lit social media ablaze. <laughs> it was just suddenly, yes. <laughs> it just, this group, which was seemingly dead on arrival. Suddenly, you give them a face in Mustafa Ali, someone that we can get behind, get in, a character we can get invested into. We're not getting invested in T-Bar Mason, Slapjack, <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> seriously. But we can get invested in Mustafa Ali, suddenly this group has a bit of gravitas to them. They're something you can build around, something you can build to Survivor Series as well. Suddenly I'm interested. Suddenly, it's, it sparked my interest. <laughs> Again, is, he's a perfect choice as well, just because he was really struggling to kind of get on television and the fans wanted to see him have an opportunity. The only issue is if they're meant to be heels. So, this is kind of where them feuding with the Hurt Business might save them. For with the Hurt Business, they're heels who now and then do face things. So, it's a little bit confusing. At times, like are oh, they they are stepping up for the company, but you don't you are kind of getting what you asked for with them, where they don't necessarily have your company's best interests at heart. Long term, they're quite selfish for themselves. So yes, Adam Pierce gets them to help in the short term, but long term he's going to owe them things. <laughs> so you be careful there, Mister Pierce. But retribution as heels. I'm not entirely sure that's the best idea. Is that like the lesson was Daniel Bryan? Well, Daniel Bryan really worked as a heel in spite of the fact that everything he said, like, <laughs> like every millennial watching, <laughs> I mean, like everyone just watching, he was going, he's right though, <laughs> like every word he's saying, <laughs> like he's totally right. But it really worked as a heel. I'm saying that as, you know, as a millennial, I can watch that and I can say, yeah, like, I, have, I was fully behind everything he was saying, but I also totally believed him as a heel. So, I'm, I'm not just saying just because he's right doesn't mean I can't cheer him. So it doesn't mean I can't boo him. Uh, that, that's the case voice there. He worked as a heel, and he worked and he had kind of gravity' So there's weight behind him because I am listening to what he's saying and going, yeah, but he's right though. <laughs> and with this act, it has that potential. And I'm not the only one that's made that comparison. Yeah, I was happy when I, I put that in my notes that I go to social media and see loads of other people have made that same comparison to Daniel Bryan where they're expecting the words of Ali to somewhat being true, which just gives even more weight to the group. Just what he's saying, there's actually some substance to it. The grievances he's had, it's like, yeah, I understand. I would too, type of thing. <laughs> that, really, that really, really helps kind of ground this floating nonsense. <laughs> just ground it, put it a bit more in normality, even though he's got Ninja Turtle villains behind him. It grounds it a bit with Ali. The only issue is, uh, I've seen a few other people pick uh, up on it as well. Mustafa Ali is such a fantastic baby face. He's so good at getting you behind him and believing in his cause that at at least it would be, at least that makes it believable that he will be able to get people to believe in his cause because we've seen him be very, very good at that. That is one of his uh, strengths is being able to do that with his words. But not as a heel. (laughs) So that's the interesting thing. And that's what I was talking about with the Hurt Business. Can you slowly make Retribution a little bit face? Or are they going to be flat out heel? Because it's WWE. They sometimes try to tread the line. And I feel like if you incorporate the Retribution goons. as That's what I'm calling Mace t bar Slapjack. When you incorporate their Twitter game into it a bit. It, it, you give a little bit of that character on television. And you've got a semi face stable in a way. That said, this is what I kind of say, like, yes, when somebody's Twitter game is half-decent, that can kind of help you get excited for seeing that act, but if it doesn't transition to television at all, you don't see any mention of that kind of character on the TV, then it's not really canon. I'm not really going to get excited for it in the same way. I'm not going to go suddenly, oh, this character's amazing. It's like, No, I can say I like the person behind the character, but the way the character's actually written on the TV show, like, I like the actor, but the character itself... Blah. <laughs> so, they've been... Uh, but giving them a focal point, giving them a leader, giving them Mustafa Ali, all the thumbs up in the world, and they've, they can suddenly have a massive direction, and we are fully behind as fans, like, getting to see Mustafa Ali get this opportunity, get this push, because there's been a call for him to have something. He's just been floating about with nothing pretty much since, was it last year? Or when was Money in the Bank with Brock Lesnar? Was that last year or 2018? I get confused. Can't remember... If that then led him to Mustafa Ali and then getting injured before Elimination Chamber, or if it was afterwards, as it was another opportunity that got snatched away. I think it was first. Confusion. <laughs> Who was bloody money in the bank last year? Anyway, let's get off that tangent. <laughs> but yeah, so Mustafa Ali revealed, again, cons. There was no teasing for it, really. There was no... We didn't even know they had a leader. So I personally might have teased that a bit, that there was somebody uh, above them, because that's what I was talking about last week. Like, What is the hierarchy of this group? Like, what are the goons? Do they also believe in their cause? Well, it doesn't really make sense. Um, but this week, when you give them Ali, oh, so the hierarchy suddenly makes a bit more sense, when you've got such a clear face and guy who's really, really, really talented with his words. Just, and delivering, obviously. All the praise from Mustafa Ali. And that's kind of the big takeaway from that. It was a shame about the main event because the main event was then rapid fire, chaotic six man tag, like get all your crap in in eight minutes (laughs) type of thing. But it was also filled with, well, who cares? Like after that Mustafa Ali reveal, that's all I'm going to be thinking about. That's all I'm really taking in. Really that's like an end of show reveal because then you can go off air with him closing the fist. Uh, Probably what they should have done to be fair. Uh, But then you've also got to justify MVP versus Mustafa Ali main eventing over the six-man tag and immediately like, why is this main eventing? Like Your spidey senses are tingling. The alarm bells are ringing. (laughs) Why is this main eventing? Even though it's an end-of-show segment. I get it. I understand. It might be a different way, but it wouldn't have had that same direct tie to the Hurt Business if you had them interviewing the main event, for example. Yeah, I'm happy with it. It's fine. Also, I can feel my voice going. I've not recovered from doing takeover on Sunday, and I've got to bloody do this again on Thursday. Just a quick sweep. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Lovely jubbly, he says whilst knackered. (laughs) Anyway, so in quicker fashion, normally I spend a bit of time going over the main thing, the main topic for the day. Sometimes I go 20 to 30 minutes, but today, no. I feel like I've come through all the pros and the cons, really the cons are all in the past and I feel like this is going to be just like that Roman Reigns angle where for months it was nonsense or for weeks it was nonsense but as soon as they landed on Rowan suddenly they had a direction to go into and it ended perfectly fine. I feel like we the same here in terms of the story of the birth of Retribution as long as they don't drop it <laughs> as long as they stick with it and they don't get suddenly we just don't see anything about it because that's the worry of them writing it week to week that things just either get forgotten or dropped. But I'm at least excited, it's at least got somewhere to go. I like that Rowan storyline, for at least for the next few weeks, at least till Survivor Series, there's somewhere to go with it. There's some excitement. Anyway, let's move on to the opening segment. I will now go through the show in order. Got a load of notes to blast through. Makes sense to do this ASAP, (laughs) just to blast through the show. So, Randy's on a chair to kick off the show. And I've seen some people... Because I watched this the next day on, next morning. Today it was, like, around the G1 Climax, so I watched it, I started it, and then had a massive gap before coming back to it. And this being the first thing I saw, not exactly lighting the world on fire with a hot opener or something to bring me... For, for, it was delivered well enough, ran the Randy Orton promo that kicked off the show, but it did absolutely nothing to pull me into what's happening. Like, it went on for, like, eight minutes... And it's not grabbing my attention. Even if it's delivered well. Like, he's making sense. Of course he'd be pissed at what happened in the ambulance match. Uh, the delivery was on par with Orton's top, match, top notch year. But, like, I'm also done with the feud now. Which also doesn't help. Like, why do matches have to happen again and again back to back to back in WWE? Um, I mean, it's a lot easier to write week to week without much of a long term plan that way. Just doing it week to week, but uh, like the, again, he kicking off with a Randy Orton in the chair promo, which is fine. Like like when he did the against Edge, it was very similar to that. Like he's delivered well enough. It's just that they had such a perfect ending, like with the baddie receiving all his comeuppance at Clash of Champions. There's no reason for this story to continue, and the reason we've been given is the story is continuing. Because it is. <laughs> because I'm Randy Orton, damn it. That's why it's continuing. It's like, but in terms of like, the flow of an arc, you received your comeuppance. That's the end of the arc. That's it. Nothing else. Like, Why is this story... Like, the story is finished. But like, there's no reason for the story to continue, but it's dictated by the WWE's wrestling schedule slash booking ideology that it must. It's like, well, you've got to do three matches, and we've got one more pay-per-view before Survivor Series. So you've got to have a match at Hell in a Cell, inside Hell in a Cell. So ah, uh, and of course them can, they can build it as their rivalry, hitting one final peak at Hell in a Cell. But as a viewer, it's like, well, you've told your story. You did that beat with the comeuppance against all of the legends. That was a perfect end note. What, so it does, like you finished your story, but you've not finished your kind of wrestling line of pay-per-views. <laughs> Again, this is an issue with not planning things in advance for not going, well, we'll do this at this pay-per-view then, this at that one, this at that one. And you don't put any plan in place, you make it up week to week. And I'm not saying they do this for every storyline, but this is like a case in point that has happened here. Even though I've got massive praise for Drew and Randy Orton's work, I've really enjoyed their rivalry. I, th- I think it's been one of the best things in WWE by quite some margin. I mean, Randy Orton's been one of the best things in WWE this year. Drew McIntyre's been an absolutely fantastic champion, the best babyface champion they've had in quite some time. Uh, it generally feels like they can make a big star with him, but there's this. It's overplayed. It they've done the normal WWE thing. Where I'm enjoying something, it hits a perfect point, but it just keeps on going because they've not finished the run of pay per views yet. <laughs> so um, it's, it hit its natural conclusion, but the wrestling pay per view schedule hasn't quite hit that note yet. They've finished it a month early, and the media's just like, "You just give a throwaway." challenger <laughs> you don't need to do a massive hell in a cell fight you don't, you don't have to like yeah yeah anyway it's it delivered well enough i was just not really paying attention like i have no reason to be invested in this match like because they had their ending already it was just at the wrong pay-per-view for the calendar so we've got one more to go yeah at the end drew charges in at the end. all angry like uh they've got a six man tag tonight so well will seemably and, and when it's writing this, I was like seemably we'll have a promo with Drew later where he's like yeah I'm angry can't wait to beat you up mate and yeah it, it was, his, his lines were way better than that <laughs> but it was still like he attacks him here as it, in pure anger to what he did last week pushing him up against the wall later he will then deliver slightly more calmer but just as directed words and that uh, and so he kind of build to it like they're doing a decent job of building to it it's just that the sto- the story's finished so they got to Think of a way to do it next. Anyway, so I doubt I'm, no matter what they do, it's going to, have to be something really special to get me to care when they're hitting similar beats they have already. They're and they're hitting them well, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> I haven't done. Uh, anyway, so after this to definitely pull me into the show, uh, Zelina Vega with Natalia and Lana versus Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Asuka. Talking of matches that having to happen over and over. Asuka and Zelina, rolls on in spite of the challenger losing clean twice in two days. Why would Asuka give a crap about being in a match against Zelina? She she she'd finished. She'd beat her. Why would the champion care? Why would Zelina even get another match? <laughs> it's a ball of three, uh, or at least we need the champion to be in a, be in a match, and we've got a kill time before draft. So, yeah, like we get to see in the match itself. We get to see Zelina's smarts at play again. Lana and Natalia are finally working as a team, as in working well as a team. They're becoming more and more oiled there, as in as a team. <laughs> it's only using terms where investing them I mean other things. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, they, after easily getting beaten and destroyed, like as soon as Lana get in, they just get murdered. Like now, there's a bit of coordination to them. There's a bit of oh, not coherence. Uh, a bit of Let's leave that. <laughs> What's the bloody word i think of? Cohesion, that's it. I was so close to it the first time. There's cohesion within the team. You can see that developing. And like week to week, there's a little bit more. I feel like that's... WWE, I don't normally praise WWE for, uh, for subtlety, but I feel like that's a little subtle thing that the team's getting better. They're, they're not winning, but they are getting better at losing. <laughs> I guess if that's a compliment. Uh, anyway, um... But then Rose and Dana Brooke have had like an immediate impact on the division as uh, as well after debuting last week, so that continues. Like also really highlighting how there isn't really anyone set for Asuka, which is perfect timing for a draft. eh? <laughs> just suddenly you can bring somebody in and immediately give her a challenger. Peyton Royce seems to have disappeared off the sun after having being after showing a half decent breakout. I think was she on last week or was it the week before? Because no, Asuka's been facing Zelina Vega. Yes, yeah, so when Peyton Royce had a match against Asuka, like, oh, they're maybe building something here, but it's been two weeks with no Peyton Royce. So, maybe not then. Uh, in the end, Asuka gets in and beats everybody up. What a great match. <laughs> a, a great way. What a great What a great structure to a match. It's like, yeah, we're going to go back and forth. It's going to be relatively even. And she gets in and beats us all up. <laughs> so, that was basically the one of it. But with a little bit of a story note at the end, where Mandy Rose makes a tag and uh, gets in the running knee for the win after Asuka dominated everybody. Uh, She gets the running knee to get the pin and the victory. Just in time for Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax to return to Raw all healthy-like once again to put Lana through a table. The poor lass, how dare your husband leave us for the enemy we're not competing against. (laughs) And What's this, four times Lana's now gone through a table? Like, in a row? (laughs) Uh, oh the, the, poor girl <laughs> again. Really? <laughs> Do you have to go through again? Uh, yeah. But this was then setting up the fact that the Raw Tag Team Champions are back and they are defending their titles against Riot Squad later in the show, which was meant to be taking place on pay per view. But of course, with the sudden COVID alert and a whole load of talent weren't available. I'm assuming Cedric Alexander is still off the card because of that same reason. But yeah, so you've Got Talent drip feed returning. And, yeah, it's fine, I guess. The division needs a shake-up. And uh, I guess not really much to complain about, really, when the draft will come and likely liven things up. We'll see. Uh, after this was our truths WWE mock draft. I guess I'll quickly get through this. <laughs> the The audacity of him to split up Ninja 1 and 2. Oh. Uh, when Janitor in disguise for the second week, <laughs> I guess, playing off Andy on. But it's Drew Gulak this time. Truth trips over his mop bucket and gets rolled up. And Gulak shouts, like, see you next fall as he runs away. He's victorious. And obviously next fall is later in the show. <laughs> he loses the title. Uh, MVP walks up to Mustafa Ali, Apollo Crews and Richard O'Shea. He's heard them talking about the draft. And as an experienced veteran, he wants, to, wants them to know, like, just how these things can change a career in an instant. He lets them know that ahead of Friday, there happens to be an opening in the Hurt business. Like, it's alright, Cedric said no at first, I'm not going to push it, but he he came around eventually. He tells them to think about it, and afterwards, it's Ricochet who the camera stays on whilst he has a little think about it, uh, as the others kind of just immediately left dismissing it. We know why Mustafa Ali didn't even consider it. Apollo Cruz is just too pure of heart, <laughs> but Ricochet, ooh... Is Ricochet, is he is he actually feeling the influence of MVP? Again, in terms of MvP's character, where the how the Hurt business came together and how he was consistent, how the rivalry started with him asking them to essentially join his group to join his business, become to become CEOs with him. But they were saying no, didn't like his ways. But is that continuity of there was a reason he asked them in the first place? He believe he really generally believes they're extremely talented. So, it would make sense he may continue to make offers to continue to be like, No, like you generally are good. There's a reason that I'm offering that, even if you watch them the run of matches, they come off a little bit as geeks. The lines Ricochet gets given really doesn't help. <laughs> like the lines Bruce and Ricochet are meant to but like, These are the baby faces telling jokes. They're so bad, <laughs> they are so bad uh, that yeah, it's one of the things where. In a movie, they're the lines you'd give the dorky villain before the hero punches them in the face or something. but Like a quick comedy knockout or something like that. But here they're meant to be the faces. <laughs> like, uh, okay, no, maybe not. But, yeah. But, but again, I like the continuity of MVP. There's a reason he went after them in the first place. Uh, anyway, this then led into Seth Rollins and Murphy with the start of their arc for the night. And they were facing Dominic Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo in tag action. And after a recap, Seth gestures for Murphy to give him the mic. Uh, but the Aussie's reluctant. Says he's been the perfect disciple for months. But i said that word so weirdly. <laughs> but after what's happened these past few weeks, if you want me to still be so, you need to apologise. To Leah. And uh, Seth has none of that, obviously, and just parades the poor lad. Like, I'm the messiah. You're the disciple, 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 Messiah, disciple, Messiah, disciple. I, I had to make sure I was saying the word right. before. <laughs> Repeating it quicker, quicker. Uh, dropping in a dig at Aaliyah, possibly telling Murphy in those DMs that she's not exactly a Chipper Mysterio member, and uh, sowing the seeds again to split up the Mysterio family, which is what this is all about for Seth. Every little thing is careful. Like he's still got the architect in him, the the gar- the creator of chaos, at least it is now. The Architect is still there, is Seth? And I like how the way they tell that is just by showing him smiling, uh, just like in different, lo- like later on, he's watching from gorilla position, just like, yes, yes. It's all coming together. Like I, yes, I, I really like that side. Like, it looks like maybe, Seth may be coming up on the end of something, but he's backstage smiling at what's happening. Like He's still happy with the way things are going. And I like that. It's like, yes, the Architect is still there. He's still fiddling about <laughs> creating angles and things. And yeah, so our face has then run down and our tag match goes into the break with hot dives. Mysterio all heated again. Uh, obviously, by the time we return, Rollins has full control. But there's still that friction between the Messiah and the Disciple, slowly becoming more and more a factor as the match went on. Rollins becoming pissed at the Aussie, simply tagging in, to shouting, I've got this, I don't need you or when he when Murphy then ran into launch Mysterio over the barricade to save Seth Rollins from getting beaten up. Again, Rollins is just pissed that Murphy did that. Uh, but in the match itself, Murphy was running riot. Like every swing of momentum came after Murphy did something which was the right thing to do, and Rollins' reaction was just like so was was it was, like, it was overblowing <laughs> with reactions. And that then cost the momentum of the match. His disciple was cleaning up and he's the one who secured the win. Uh, but he did so in pure dissension. Murphy then walking up the ramp, muttering, right, you don't need me, do you? And Volin's cuts Chase still angry as hell. Just, just angrily take, taking off the wrist tape. The wrist is doing anger. Just to show that they're angry. And the people in the back can see. You take the biggest piece and just wrap it around. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so angry. Uh, yeah. that More of that later. Uh, Strowman is backstage, you No know, SmackDown Superstar Strowman just ahead of the draft. They This is the second time the draft kind of gets properly mentioned by the wrestlers and the world. And he's angry. Uh, there's no Raw Underground again in brackets. I just wrote, yay! <laughs> Don't get Raw Underground. And as I was saying earlier, the show flows so much better because Raw Underground wasn't there. But because for the final two hours... You're not cutting back to these short like, these short fights that are so unconnected from the rest that's happening. It's like suddenly the show really flows. Because in terms of building to the main event, you suddenly got a straight line rather than oh but we've got to dart up here, then dart down there, go this way, and then back back to that thing again. It's like, no, it's just a straight build, it's a straight line. The show flows so like infinitely better. <laughs> so, personally, I would like I wouldn't mind Raw Underground being dead, but because they keep mentioning it. So we think, Oh, like after the draft. So it might not be on the show next week, but the week after that, it <laughs> may be back again permanently. But Adam Pierce tells him, like, you know, you're not a Raw superstar, so I can't sanction the match. And uh, I guess not being a Raw superstar, so you can't sanction the match, is a rule for this week <laughs> and this week alone. <laughs> just try not to remember the existence of this rule. Like you'll just get ignored. You just get annoyed when they contradict it in the future. It's like yeah, it's one of those things where I put when it do get contradicted. It's one of those where they contradict their rules so much. I'm like yeah, but the the rules say backstage like are they just for that plot point. They're just for that segment. I've stopped taking them literally, which in terms of world building, is like a massive thumbs down. <laughs> it's like you don't want me to be watching your show thinking like that. Like the reasons you give for a thing not being possible do not matter. The rules you are saying will. Aren't there, they don't actually exist. That's the way I kinda of look at it. Yeah, like, these rules are just part of a script to give the character a reason to say the thing. They don't they're not actually rules that exist. And they that's why they don't get looked at in the future, because they don't exist. <laughs> but uh Anna Pierce then says, Yeah, yeah, case in point, don't remember this rule, because it will be contradicted and you'll get angry. Like, oh, they're contradicted when they said this earlier. like, so, yeah. Like, I'm I'm surprised she's still on purpose trying to remember when they say these things. Because <laughs> they contradict them so much. Like, yeah, just when they say, this is a rule, I can't do this. Just forget about it as soon as the show finishes. <laughs> uh, again, I'm saying it in a chirpy manner, but that is a technically a massive thumbs down. It's just, I'm used to it now. But Adam Pearce says that he can find Strowman an opponent. It just won't be a sanctioned match. Bourne's happy with that, and uh, walks off like with his big, um, muscly, broad arms. And uh, Pierce doesn't have to look far, as Keith Lee immediately walks in stage right, assuming hiding behind a production box, to accept the fight. He's like, yeah, I'm in. And off he goes. And immediately I'm like, big boy fight, yes, I'm ready. It's weird that in modern day wrestling, I get really amped for the big lads doing big lad wrestling. <laughs> I generally get excited for it. Uh, anyway, after the break, Rollins finds Murphy to shout at him. The Messiah doesn't apologise and says Murphy's actually the one that needs to apologise to him. And if he wants to be his disciple, he has to apologise by 10pm. And I like that. It's using what Murphy said, where Murphy said, no, you've got to apologise. But then Seth comes in going, actually, you've got to apologise. And because I'm the Messiah, I'm going to be way more authoritative with that. I'm going to say by 10pm. Because I do you actually want to be? The question isn't, do I want you to be my disciple? It's do you want to be my disciple? I like that, just twisting the little words and it flowed from their match really well. And of course we get the countdown timer later in the show. The proper graphic and everything. And then they come out for a full-on segment. Yeah, anyway, so next up was the KO show. Uh, an advertised fair bit in advance building off from SmackDown last week where is going to have Bray Wyatt on in some capacity. Like, you know, if anyone needed a fiend intervention to give them like a wee reset, It was Kevin Owens. Like, he's been treading water since WrestleMania, uh, going nowhere and not really doing much at all. And uh, Big Kev cuts the off announcer Mike from giving, like, the full-blown intro for the KO show. Owens isn't quite feeling it. Like, right after his encounter with The Fiend, he's feeling different. And it's still with him. He still feels, like, all that dread after his first encounter last Friday. And uh, KO calls the sweater-wearing fella out so Firehouse, fire, fire. Yeah, I can't say it. firefly funhouse. Bray says hello on the Titantron. I say it, just waving hand like hey. Uh, all about friends having fun together. He and the puppets sing a friends song, <laughs> <laughs> which is pure Bray Wyatt. Uh, Ko has none of that nonsense and just reminds him like after the attack on Friday they definitely are not friends. Uh, Ko wants to get some fight tonight. Instead of having to wait till their match on Friday, which that's a very quick turnaround, uh, Bray doesn't take kindly to these threats. Uh, with like subtle warnings, like for the man that he's about to fight, with, uh, subtle warnings towards the man who's about to fight the fiend. KO decides he still wants to get some Bray, so goes himself to find the man. Uh, but on the ramp, he's attacked by Alistair Black, jumping in from behind and just crossing his legs, staring angrily away. So yeah, a lot of angry people, and poor Kevin can't even. Walk up the ramp without getting jumped by somebody. Oh, poor man. To the interview ring. <laughs> Caruso brings in WWE Champion Drew McIntyre, and this is when he was a tad karma, like still angry at Autumn, and uh, like building up to being amped to beating him up tonight in the six-man tag. But like, it was very calmly just saying like in the cell, Randy's getting sent straight to hell at hell in the cell, <laughs> and I remember myself laughing about it in that like, yeah, so in the cell, Randy's getting sent straight to hell at Hell in a Cell in the Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> it's just, how many times can it say hell and cell in Hell in a Cell stuff? It's, yeah, it's in WWE writing where they make them just drip feed the name of the pay per view. It's like at Hell in a Cell. I'm sending you to hell, and it. Drew McIntyre's delivery makes me believe him, even if the script itself is just a bit corny and crap. <laughs> it's just, it's the same line we hear every week, and I swear, Randy Orton pretty much to say you don't know what hell is. And this week, and this week, Drew McIntyre's like, I'm not gonna send you to purgatory. I'm gonna send you to hell. He's like, oh, I head of the cell. That's convenient. <laughs> it's just, uh, they only start talking this way when it's this specific pay per view. They never talk like that before or after. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's the WWE marketing way. And again, something you've become used to. But when you analyse it, it's weird. <laughs> like a lot of stuff in WWE. Uh, Braun Strowman promo VTR. Like he might maybe perhaps be getting drafted to Raw, given he's practically on the show already. And this led us into the exhibition match. Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee. And ooh, there's a big boys. <laughs> a... New big man for Keith to bask around. Commentators let us know that this match won't count to any wins or losses. Like, which didn't matter anyway, because they just immediately brawled ringside and into a count out. <laughs> so, oh, this, uh, they know the uh, wins and losses that we don't really keep a track on. Well, it's alright, this draw won't mean anything. <laughs> it's like, okay, right, fine. But he gave me two big lads and they, kind of, they got really angry at each other. Uh, Strowman levels Lee after he was ranting at the ref with the draw, charging through the barricade and sending Keith rolling into the front row of thunder screens, uh, But Keith ain't no ordinary big man. A minute later, he gets back up and launches off the steps at Big Brawn, brawling up the ramp, but brawning up the ramp, <laughs> and sending Strowman crashing into an LED board before entangling again and charging through Mr. Steam Train, sending them both off the stage and crashing through a pair of tables. Big lads, with some big boy carnage. Yeah. Like on a show like this. Where you're got an, you've are you got a nice kind of like momentum build to the main event. And you've got lots of variety on the card as well. Like this is per, this was perfect way it was. Normally at this point. It's where I like halfway through the show. Where I start to kind of drift away a bit. And if you don't do something to grab my attention. I might go at this point. Like this is where Raw Underground would start. It's like at the worst point as well. Where <laughs> you're... An hour into the show, maybe get into an hour and a half, and that's when you sh- you go on a sidetrack essentially. It's like, it's not going to grab me. <laughs> but this 100% did. Love for me some big boy carnage. Uh, and it's got something for Keith Need to sink his teeth into. So, like, confirmed draft for SmackDown number one is Braun Strowman. Get ready for sites to report draft confirmed or massive draft very lightly. He's like, oh, just watched Raw. And they foreshadowed it. <laughs> like, the power of foreshadowing is not a exclusive report. <laughs> just to bring that up again. Uh, Bianca Belair, VTR. These have been great. Like She's also super smart. Not only is she incredibly athletic and incredibly strong, she's also incredibly smart. Uh, wins a quiz game against some friends. I say win, the others didn't even get a word in. Just getting more and more sulky as she just jumped in, giving, uh, giving answers with sass. Uh, these promo videos are great. Like, here's to them hopefully having a plan once she properly returns. And there's not really much more to add. But they're, these are really, really good promo packages. And people have compared them to the Mr. Perfect stuff. Just showing how talented she is. And it's a great way to bring her in and, and build her off with it. It's, it's interesting that it's six months after her debut when they called her up and seemingly had no plan for her, even though she's incredible. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's great to hear her with a seemingly proper build to her arriving fully I guess re-debuting I don't know she's gonna it's the same gimmick it's just you know actually ex- giving a hype <laughs> before they bring her out it's done it out of order it's weird uh, it's, if I see it as a reset at this point you just ignore what happened <laughs> beforehand that, I could be fine with it yes. stop being such a nerd just <laughs> drop it uh, Drew Gulak tried to hide with the 24-7 championship he tries to run away from truth but runs into a bin, uh, Tazawa pops out from the inside and Gulak runs back the other way uh, to only get lifted into an even bigger bin. Tazawa jumps into R-Truth with him, the three assumedly brawl, you just hear noises, and the ref counts the three on the side of the bin for R-Truth, who obviously is still 24-7 champion, which is the story of the comedy and all of this. No matter all the shenanigans that happen, at the end of the night, R-Truth is always champion. So. They're fine. <laughs> I would 100% skip past them if I wasn't doing these reviews. If I weren't doing these reviews. And, yeah. It's 24-7 Championship. It's comedy stuff, but not like I'm a massive fan of Toro Yano. I really respect comedy in wrestling. Again, I just bring up that's probably to do with my outside wrestling life having involved comedy. So... I guess I'm more exception of seeing it in different art forms. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a chipper chappy anyway. I don't need everything to be super serious 24-7. I'm fine with a bit of comedy on this variety show. Which, again, I've already praised for having variety. Uh, but that doesn't mean I find it funny. <laughs> comedy... Yeah, I can praise comedy existing. But if it doesn't make me laugh, I'm not really going to pay attention. And I'm not a massive fan of the WWE style of comedy. It's way too slapstick for me. And... This more of that for this here, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, the hurt business with Lashers and Benjamin. They are joined by MVP versus Ricochet and Apollo Cruz, who are joined by Mustafa Ali. Just subtly, just building to the ending. Before the match, MVP makes an announcement to the rest of the locker room. Cruz and friends may win the odd match, but they never win the fight. He puts Retribution on notice for the distractions, costing them matches, and uh, also calling T-Bar T-Bag with no pause for comedic beat. <laughs> so it's like 10 out of 10 for Porter tonight. He <laughs> was just... It, that was... That was really well done. I really, really liked that. He <laughs> just just calls him teabag bag and doesn't even pause. It's just like, uh, yeah. He like, didn't even... like. I've done an insult here. I'm going to pause for a second. Now... It just got on with it. I really like that. And, uh, oh, Ricochet's Ricochet's lines are a bit (laughs) goff. So, yeah, the delivery isn't amazing. Just the whole, the whole, like, nah, pass. It's done so badly. (laughs) It's just, I'd say it was worse than my delivery there. My quarter to one in the morning voice going, because I've not recovered from my last late night show. (laughs) It just, and I still it was still better than whatever that was. Uh, But when that's the case with Ricochet, where his delivery isn't that amazing with lines anyway, like why on earth do you keep giving them to him? (laughs) Like if the peg doesn't fit, stop trying to press it in. (laughs) It's just every time he'd be be like, no, it doesn't fit. Every time you get Ricochet to say these jokey lines, because that's how the rock did it. Well, he's not the rock. (laughs) He's a different person. Why are you trying to invite him? Like he is the same jokey character when he, Clearly, that's not to his strengths. I don't get this. Uh, WWE seemingly has to fit a lot, like all their baby faces, into the same hole. When they uh, just play them to their individual strengths, I don't get it. <laughs> it's a strange one. Uh, anyway, was this match good? Yes. Did I care? No, not really. It's the same thing we've been watching since June. Like, yeah, it's good, but I've seen these pairings so much that I just don't care anymore. Like, it's a great pairing. All four men work well together. But it's all stuff I've seen over and over and over for four or five months straight. Like, I'm mentally absent now. <laughs> just just waiting for the hurt bi- Let's put the hurt business over and move them on to the Retribution feud. And hopefully that's where we're going for Survivor Series. I can finally kick into that gear and the twist with Mustafa Ali fully twists us that way. Maybe Ricochet has, after being portrayed by Ali, that shakes him enough to join the Hurt Business uh, and we get our F- Survivor Series 5 and maybe Apollo Crews just gets left about that's part of his story is he languishes so yeah yeah I'm, I'm done with <laughs> Hurt Business versus Apollo Crews and Friends or Cruise Catering as I called it in uh, SummerSlam preview uh, or predictions yeah it's I'm done with it <laughs> it's yeah. The same feeling of Andrade and uh, and Angel Garza versus the Street Profits. Like, 27 times is enough. (laughs) I'm happy to move on now. Uh, Question in the chat. uh, Are Ambrose and CM Punk returning to WWE 2021? No. That's nice and easy. Especially with COVID, with the the latter one. The other one obviously signed to a different company, so no. Uh, Hurt Business backstage and Mustafa Ali walks up alone. And like he has a match with MVP later, which I've already covered. And, the, and like he says that, like, as the three are kind of just laughing at him for approaching them on his own. Like we know why now, and <laughs> I like that. Like he says, yeah, I am alone right now, and I will be later. But I don't want you. I don't want you to be alone. Like go ahead, but, like bring these two with you. Because when I'm done with you, I move on to him and then him. And after we did that, and he's pointed at the other two in uh, Benjamin and Lashley and you see what happens later? It's Like, oh, like, foreshadowing. <laughs> like, again, there's been no teasers of Retribution having a leader to reveal. The whole thing is a tad sudden, but retroactively it does work, as I said at the start of the show. Like, I've said before as well, like, WWE are great at writing themselves into a nonsense hole with week-to-week randomness, but in the end, looking, they then look back at what they've got and they put the pieces together after the fact in an impressively coherent manner. And that's what it's supposed to have anything feels like. Like, only to go and do it all over again. <laughs> like, they write a nonsense story. They somehow land on their feet and they patch it up all together after suddenly one week taking stock and just looking back and seeing what they can use. How can we make this make sense? Then they do it, only to then start the process all over again. <laughs> Which, again, that's why I brought up Roman Reigns last year. That's, it, it felt so similar. The same feelings I got last year. They've just repeated the process. <laughs> uh, but... More often than not, they're nonsense big angles like they have no plan for f- they have no plan for and are awful for weeks and weeks until they fall on something. I.e. Top heel Rowan last year, and now top heel assumably Mustafa Ali. Again, I've put a bit more in there to make it a bit more elaborate than just top heel Mustafa Ali, especially as he's so good at getting people behind him and getting the fans invested in him as a guy that can save the world or a hero. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to make him heal. Anyway, on to the next segment, and it's Murphy apology o'clock. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, The Disciple awakens in this segment, Well, they've been building to for weeks, maybe a couple of months, and he's had a full hour to think it over. But when Seth presses him, getting angrier and angrier, Murphy still gives no answer. In the end, after grabbing the Aussie by the beard, uh, Seth gets tackled down with fists raining down. Mas- uh, Buddy Murphy has had enough. Well, he doesn't have a first name anymore, does he? Murphy has had enough. The two brawl to the inside. Seth attempts to use a kendo stick, but ends up on the end of it himself. Murphy whipping him back into the ring, hitting the Messiah whilst asking Seth to be the one to apologize, and he does. Funnily, saying sorry for bringing Aaliyah into this, he I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. But it's a trap! Sorry. But it's a trap! <laughs> Gotta make Star's reference. Downing Murphy and digging his thumbs into the eyes before relentlessly going whipping crazy with that kendo stick, Aaliyah runs down to save Murphy from a chair wielding Rollins, the whole Mysterio family shortly out by her side. And in Gorilla... It's what I mentioned earlier. In Gorilla, Seth's smiling at what those actions have done to the family. Just like... this. Split showing over, over the, the splits showing in the family with them kind of becoming a bit more fractured over what to do with Murphy, of how to take him, and a massive fan of that, especially when you put that with the Seth Rollins things. Like, yes, it's all going to plan. The family's becoming fractured. The seeds have been sowed. Yeah, massive thumbs up. And uh, yeah, after last week, I went on my entire rant, shifting the focus to Seth Rollins. I feel like it's eased me a bit. I feel like that was the this week. It tackled it a lot better. There's still the like, is this really the right time to run a romance angle angle between a 32 year old and 19 year old? Yes, technically it's moral, but <laughs> I'm trying to think of the way to. Exp- I hate getting into this hole again. With it, the timing is bad because of speaking out. You don't really run this angle right after speaking out. Right when your company is still PR wise. In the doghouse, especially with like the dealing with Velveteen Dream, is still a very apparent PR disaster. Even how they've handled that, and they're not WWE have not been let off the hook. And then they've run this angle. It still feels a bit, uh, but the focus being not entirely on it, and it being a part of a bigger story, it helps a little bit. I'll be honest, putting the focus onto Seth a lot and his and his and Murphy's relationship. And it's all a like a play by Seth Rollins. Like he's he's the one control, he's the puppeteer controlling these puppets. It's it's different. I like that. Anyway, I see where it goes before I have a full on moan. <laughs> to be fair, like on week one, it didn't give the best taste. Week two, a bit of a better taste. If I'm, it's, it's issue with this doing the show like this in terms of just judging it week to week. I don't have anything else to judge it on. And later down the line, in hindsight, I'm like, mm, maybe I overreacted a bit there, or mm, maybe I should have seen the warning signs. <laughs> but it's uh, it's week to week. I don't have anything else to base it on. And with WWE, there's a running theme of the oh, it might be bad now, but we'll see. They'll let it grow. and Trust me, in like half a year it'll be fine, and more often than not, when for the stories specifically you say that with, quite often it's... Um... <laughs> Sorry, I've stopped believing in it. Anyway... The WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, not Raw, <laughs> that's why my lip wobbled, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax versus the Viet Squad. The challengers with a decent tactic in this match that was meant to be on Class of Champions uh, quickly trying to ground Nia, but sooner rather than later they're quickly finding themselves flattened. The champs showing increasing tag team fluidity, fluid, uh, fluidity joining together to beat the poor lasses up, connecting on that one thing they both enjoy, beating up people. Uh, Shayna having fun torturing Riot's arm. Uh, Liv ran a bit of fire with the hot tag but eventually had a head knocked off by a Nia Jax clothesline. A something of a repeating pattern. The champions with some dominance, the challengers showing a stretch of fire but eventually they get caught and Ruby Riots tap into the Carrefour clutch. So yeah. Not really much to say. The women's division in On Monday Night Raw has seemingly needed a refresh, and the draft couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, at least Rose and uh, Dana Brooke add something to it, but there's still the draft is like so necessary for them. Uh, yes, there are the two women in the Retribution stable, but uh, again, ra- writing that week to week, who knows when they'll give them like something to play off next? Uh, These street profits are ready for their main event billing. They don't need night vision goggles to see Randy Orton. They somewhat set this up last week, with the Street Profits popping in to say hello to the Legends. And like, hey, I give credit to WWE when they genuinely set something up on a previous show. As I was saying with Mustafa Ali earlier, that that suddenly has a bit more weight to it, that random thing that wasn't explained. (laughs) But uh, Drew greets them and they start walking. And I'm like, wait, I mean, they might be going a while because we've just been told there's the MVP Mustafa Ali match Next, <laughs> so and they start walking towards the camera. I mean, there's a whole match and angle to go first, so like, f- f- slow down. I don't know, you <laughs> he, that walk to the ring is going to have to take you 20 minutes, <laughs> so you're starting a little bit early. Uh, then we did have the MVP and Mustafa Ali, a kind of awesome reveal for Retribution, or at least promising reveal, it's something they could play up there. And the main event. Was the WWE Champion Drew McIntyre and Raw Tag Team Champion Street Profits versus Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler and Lee Roode And this match was all energy. Well all energy. <laughs> Let's sell it. It's the final segment. I'm going to bed after this. It's all energy. Um, get in all of your crap. Like your 15 to 20 minute main event match condensed into 8 rapid, rapid fire. It's the all out main event. Suddenly, oh crap, we've run out of time. Let's just blast through this. Like honestly, after the major Mustafa Ali reveal, this was exactly the way I would have wanted this. Like anything slower and I'm zoning out. So good stuff. Like especially as a way to carry feuds on without setting anything else major up, like right before a draft. Like nothing amazing. It was obviously uh, there was no moments with obviously no moments to waste. It just went bang, 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 bang at to the end. Excitingly fast without being anything special. So, good WWE telly, I guess. Uh, the end came after McIntyre successfully tagged in and took out both Rude and Ziggler with claymores before getting turned around right into an RKO. Uh, in the no-letting pace of chaos, McIntyre took his eyes off Orton and paid the price. Uh, Victoria's on the ramp as Tom Phillips shouts at us that Orton will be facing McIntyre at heading in a Cell. Get excited! <laughs> no, can't do it. Uh, the match will be good. I just won't be, you no know, super hyped for it. Because uh, I, I was for the ambulance match. I thought I'd done a very, very good build, and I felt like the match did stand up to the occasion. It's just with heading the cell uh, they're hyping it up again to be a massive occasion. I'm just not feeling it. Because <laughs> I've checked out. I'm done now. You've finished your story, but it's still going on. It's going to struggle to... Oh, stop. Oh, you're shouting about it, though. Oh, that must mean it's exciting. <laughs> anyway, but that's not the takeaway from the show. The big takeaway, which is still being talked about when I woke up this morning, was Mustafa Ali being being revealed as the leader of Retribution, something that nobody saw coming, Again, especially as they didn't really hint at it, because did, did WWE even see it coming? <laughs> was that thing of him walking out the locker room, was that because they knew that Like last week they decided he would be their leader, or did they not know and it was something random? It's just a thing. It's just a reason to start the segment. <laughs> just... Why would the Hurt Business start beef with Ali? Oh, well, let's just do this. Uh, so, again, I could be reading more into it. Hopefully not. Yes. Retroactively, Mustafa Ali really works, and I'm excited for it. But what do you feel about Mustafa Ali as the leader of Retribution? Uh, hit up in like, the comments, uh, either here on YouTube or on the Laws of Pain website. I Or oh, hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat. That's dams and damn. Uh, I've already said you can support these podcasts on Red Circle. We can donate to us there to help us out, continue to churn out all this stuff and i will be back on thursday for the nxt review i think i will be joined by james boyd i think i think there's a big event happening on thursday (laughs) so we'll see um so well again we'll see (laughs) so hopefully you'll be it's not it's not wrestling related (laughs) but there's a big event so we'll see if uh, i think i'm joined by james boyd again to help me go through the nxt review after this takeover show in the new fancy arena place. Uh, and thank you for listening to this. What do you make of the Night more uh, Do let me know. I love debating this stuff. And I will be back on Thursday. I'm going to make the podcast version. I'm going to crash before my alarm for New Japan goes off. The cycle never ends. Four shows this week. We're, we're two in. Let's <laughs> bloody go. Anyway. Join me on Thursday for the next review. And with that, I say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, five star reviewing, whatever, for listening to all the other shows here on the Wrestling Headlines slash the LOP radio. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.